Okay, um, first everybody get up and stretch. You've been sitting for a really long time. Get up, stretch. Don't count this in my time. <laughs> do some jumping jacks if you need to. Whatever you need to do, get yourself. <sighs> Move around. I haven't been sitting as long as you and I'm ready to like, ah! Of course I was sitting in the car driving around the hospital going, I have no idea where I'm going for like half an hour. Okay, when you're ready, sit down. And I'm gonna tell you first how I qualify to be in these rooms. And I did bring uh, before and after pictures. Um, well, I didn't really bring after pictures. I made this like, I don't know, five years ago. So I don't even know how long ago. A long time ago. So there's no recent pictures. Um, so my relapse, which I'll talk about, and my recovery is not in here. Um, and feel free to move the papers around because they're covering my, whatever. Anyway, that's, okay, so I definitely qualify to be here. Um, like other people said, I was born a compulsive overeater. Um, I like to say that I grew up in a very large family, but there were only four of us. Mm -hmm. So I definitely come by it honestly. My, uh, both my mother and my father are compulsive overeaters. Were. My mother passed away. Oh my gosh, it's almost 11 years already. Crazy. It goes so fast. Anyway, uh, so my mother was a compulsive overeater. My father is still a compulsive overeater. My sister is a compulsive overeater. And the crazy thing is I was always the smallest. So it was... Like, you know, I was the skinny witch. You know, they used other word than witch, but you get it. So, um, but I was never huge. I thought I was. I, I dreamed of being anorexic, dreamed about it. I just wished, I mean, I did have days where I would restrict, but being thin was everything. It was everything, and I wasn't. And, uh, but I wasn't fat. I was maybe a little chubby. I look at pictures of me now in high school, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I would die to look like that again. I was adorable, but I thought I was huge. Um, so, uh, let's see, where should I go from there? I have ADHD. If you ha can't notice, you'll see that I jump. I should probably write things down, but I don't work that way because that would require my sitting down and focusing, which I'm not very good at. So, I do jump from topic to topic. So, if I ever go off on a tangent and you want me to go back to something, just say, hey, can you go back to da 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 da, -da? Anyway, um, so, I'll start with, I'm also a television addict. I grew up, uh, my two addictions were food and TV. Uh, I had no idea that I was an addict. You know, I was. I was a good girl. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't do drugs. I didn't do other things that good girls are not supposed to do. Um, so I was a good girl, I thought. Um, and I used to, I remember people used to tell me, I don't think it's true, that I look like Drew Barrymore. And uh, I used to be like so judgmental. Like, ugh, but she's a drug addict. Well, she may be over it, but still, she, I never did drugs, she did, that's terrible. I was so judgmental of any addict, like, how could you be like that, not knowing, I am an addict, like, you know, they say that you judge in others what you really see in yourself, so I was so judgmental against addicts, addicts, that I guess I maybe always had a niggling feeling in the back of my head, but I didn't know, I really did not know that I was an addict. Um, Let's fast forward. Uh, so I also, like, uh, I think it was Judy was talking about, I also grew up in a secular uh, Jewish home um, where my mother, we, we would have, like, a little ceramic Christmas tree, and she'd put little gifts on it on Christmas, and then we got the underwear and socks for Hanukkah. Um, and I was the most religious because I, I ate plenty of bacon, but I didn't <laughs> eat uh, <laughs> And I, my kids laugh at me all the time because obviously now I'm religious. I cover my hair, I wear skirts, whatever. Um, I laugh at my children all the time because they're like, they're like, ew, bacon, pig. I'm like, no, it's so delicious. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so good. 
you'll never have it. But it's so good. <laughs> and with cheese and, oh, okay. Anyway, see, I'm an addict. Everything, all of my childhood memories that I have, and a lot of them are really, really fuzzy, um, they're almost all relating to food. And, and my, all of my friends would, like, if they'll t tell me memories of us as, like, oh, do you remember when we used to make Rice Krispie Treats? Oh, do you remember when we used to order pizza? And do you remember every New Year's Eve we'd get together and we'd just bring this? All of my memories and my friends' memories are around food. Food was everything. Everything. And it's just a miracle today. The food is such a small part of my life. And it's really, I know it's, we talk about food a lot, but it really is such a small part of my recovery. It's one of nine tools. And it doesn't say anywhere in the 12 steps about my food plan and, and, and being in the food. It's, it's, it's you know, and it, even in, it says it, I think, twice in the 12 steps, alcohol, food, whatever. Um, today, I don't, I don't obsess about food. I do have those food dreams sometimes, definitely have those. So just to remind me, God says, yep, you're still an addict. It has not gone away. Um, so, see, I lost my train of thought again. Um, okay, I'm going to go quickly through. Uh, I chose my college um, by going for a visit to a cafeteria, and they were serving <laughs> a non-kosher food that I loved, Philly cheesesteaks. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm going there. And the funny thing is, is I never ate on that side of the cafeteria. Where I went, I went to Westchester University, one side of the cafeteria was like the same thing every day. This was the pasta, this was the hot dogs, this was the, the and of course, ice cream, all you can eat, ice cream and cake and freshman 50,000, let's say. Um, so that is how I choose my, chose my college and I never even ate on that side where it was like different every day. I am a very boring eater. Even to this day, my food plan, my sponsor was like, I could tell you your food. Like, I had to write it down every day, it doesn't matter. I still have to write it down. Um, so I became religious before our program. That's a whole nother story. Um, and that's a long one for another time. Um, so fast forward, I moved to Israel, become religious, meet my husband, have a couple of children. And um, I wasn't really big until I started having babies. And, Oh my gosh. I remember being uh, in high school and thinking, I can't wait till I'm pregnant. Because then you can just eat everything you want to eat. You're eating for two. Well, I made up for I was eating for 2,000. Um, and the funny thing is, it's really after I gave birth, my first baby especially, uh, I was starving. I was nursing. I was starving. And I was, oh my gosh. And I always wanted to lose the weight. I'm always, always on a diet or always looking or always caring or always thinking about um, losing the weight. I always thought that I had a weight problem. I had no idea that I had um, an eating disorder, which really is what it is. It's, it's a disease. It's an eating disorder. Um, my disorder is I put certain substances in my mouth, in my body, and then that alcoholic brain takes over. Um, there's the craving, and then there's the obsession and all of it. Um, so let's see. I moved back from, moved to Israel. Had, my husband had our first two babies over there. Um, moved back to the States, and I think baby number three. Was it baby number three? Hang on. Nope. Baby number four. I was expecting baby number four, and I was already starting to go to a program. A friend of mine made a meeting in our community. We would meet on Shabbos on Saturday, if anybody doesn't know what Shabbos is. Um, and I would go, and I would eat before the meeting, and I would think about what I was going to eat after the meeting, and I would eat after the meeting. And I was pregnant, and, um, and I ate through that entire pregnancy, which ended in a preemie birth. Um, that was a nightmare and ended up 
coming home from the hospital without a baby, and he's fine. He's, uh, thank God, he, he is fine. But I came home from the hospital before he did, and I had made a batch of something that I didn't yet bake in the fridge, not knowing that day that I was going to the hospital to have a baby. So when I came home, I ate, let's just say, none of it made it into the oven. Not, not one piece of it made it into the oven. Um, so, uh, so then, so I started going to program. But I, I was healthy. Like, I ate whole wheat flour. My, my kids don't know from white flour. Um, they do today. But back then, no, my kids didn't know from white flour. So I could have whole wheat pasta. Like, that's healthy. I used to make macaroni and cheese, and I would, like, the, I would homemade from scratch. The cheese sauce, oh, so good. And I would just eat from the pot. Like, normal people, I don't think, do that. And then I would eat my full amount. And then, like, there would be enough to have for lunch the next day. But as I'm putting it away, I'm, I'm back in that. And there's no sugar in that. That's just pasta and cheese. And I couldn't stop. And of course, then my head's already well. There's now there's not enough for lunch tomorrow. I might as well finish it. So I did eat to sickness many, many, many times. Like I'm little, and I can pack it in. Um, now I can't. And I'm, my sponsor tells me I'm the only food addict in the world who begs for less food. <laughs> I'm four foot. I'm not even four foot eleven. Uh, so at my highest weight, I was 217. Um, that is when I was pregnant with my fourth child. I was pregnant, nine months pregnant at 217. Um, and so um, that was my highest weight. And after that, like, so through that whole pregnancy, I'm, do, I'm, I'm going to the meetings and I'm going to the meetings and I'm going to the meetings and I'm, go, I'm gonna start after this happens or I'm gonna start after this holiday. And I'm gonna start after this. I kept having these days when I'm gonna start. My baby was five and a half weeks old, home from the hospital. Um, a friend of mine gives me a call, and she's like, I just heard somebody who's willing to sponsor, give her a call. Now, my next place was six weeks. At six weeks, my baby's six weeks old, that's what I'm going to start. This was five and a half weeks. We're talking about three days difference. <laughs> now, I knew, because we all really do know what we're thinking. We really do know. I knew that if I waited those three days for six weeks, it wasn't going to happen. So I had a decision to make. And step three is a decision, which we're going to get to in a minute. I had a decision to make. Either I start this thing, or I don't. I start today, or I keep fooling myself that one day I'm going to start. And so I had my last binge that night, and I even had a wedding in New York. My husband and I drove to New York. I ate the whole way there. I ate, you can't even imagine what I ate at the wedding. I was so sick that on the way home, the snack that I had brought to eat on the way home, I couldn't even eat. I was so sick and I started the next day. Um, I had six years of back-to-back -back abstinence, I say, because um, the last couple of years of that abstinence, I wasn't really abstinent, but I didn't realize that. I mean, I, was, I had a food plan, but my food plan was a little wishy-washy. Um, and so I, let's see, I have two more babies. I have six children all together. Um, and I'm older, and five of my children were born by C-section. Um, and so I'm uh, pregnant again, and so excited. I am like, I love babies. I, I love being pregnant. I love every bit of nausea. I love every ache, every pain. I love it. I love being pregnant. I love babies. Um, so I had a miscarriage. Now, I'd had a miscarriage in program, and I was abstinent through it. So this was not my first miscarriage. This was my first miscarriage in my 40s that had me thinking, that's it. Like, 
I don't know if I'm having any more babies. And to me, that was devastating. That was, like, devastating. Um, and I remember going to the hospital and the doctor, you know, having the ultrasound and there's no baby. And, well, there's no heartbeat. Um, I, the baby wasn't there. I called my girlfriend. I call her my enabler or my, uh, what's it called, uh, my dealer. And I said, I want cake. And she's like, you got it. You got it. Because to her, this whole thing, this whole, being an, she's, you know, one of us, but doesn't want to join us. So she's like, I'm not an addict. So she was my, she got me cake. Um, that started two years of relapse and back and relapse and back. And I was abstinent more than I wasn't, but this just showed me the, the progression of this disease, that each relapse was worse than the one before. Each time I picked up, it was, I, I used to hear people saying that, that, that the disease is out in the parking lot, it's doing push-ups, it's just waiting, just waiting for me to mess up so, I could, so we can get in there and sucker punch me, right? So um, that is what happened. And my last binge, I literally gained, I think, 40 pounds in maybe two or three months, which for somebody my size, you can imagine. I mean, it happened so fast, and it was so uncomfortable, and I had nothing to wear, and I was not buying new clothes. I was not going. I gave away all my fat clothes. I'm not going back to them. No. So I had to be uncomfortable, and I had to make a decision again. I had to make a decision. And again, we know when we're making that decision, right? Step one, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I am powerless over food, right? Okay, I'm powerless over food and my life is unmanageable. I know that. I've known that for years now, right? Step two, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. For sure, there's a God. He can do anything. He can restore me to sanity. I don't know if I'm worthy, but he can. Step three, made a decision made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. Made a decision. That is the most important word. These, those are the most important. That's even more important than God in this, in this sentence. I have to make the decision. That is the one thing God can't do for me. God can do everything for me and anything for me. And God keeps me absent to this day. And he gives me a program. And, and, and it's unbelievable. But that decision had to come from me. The decision to turn my will and my life over to his care had to come from me. And I made that decision so many times. And, and when I was given the choice of what to speak on, I'm like, ah, oh, step three. Because step three isn't a step you take once. It's a step you take every single day. But that first decision, and we know it. We know when we're making the decision. I am... Um, my husband is the, really the catalyst for this, for the end of my relapse, because we were, there was going to be uh, a weekend conference of a bunch of Orthodox Jewish women in uh, north, northern New Jersey, and I would go every year, and my husband said, go. Now, I'm so embarrassed, because I'm not easy to forget. I'm loud. I'm obnoxious. I'm showy. I'm an actress. So, you know, people know me, and here I am, and and I've been abstinent for years and adorable. And here I am, and I'm not adorable, at least in my head. I'm not adorable anymore. And my husband said to me, just go. Just go, find a new sponsor, get inspired, come back, and do it again. And I knew why I didn't want to go, because I knew if I went, I was doing it. I was going to do it again. And putting down that sugar is terrifying, because then I have to deal with life. 
and life is painful. Life is scary. Oh my gosh. When people used to say to me, little children, little problems, big children, big problems, I wanted to kick them. Like, shut up. But oh my gosh, as my children, oh my gosh, life is scary and it's painful. And I'm responsible for these six little souls that God and my husband helped me bring into this world. I'm responsible for them. And it's terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. And we are going through right now the hardest, worst, a parent's nightmare that just awful, an awful situation. And I'm not eating over it. I cry. I'm going to cry now. I scream. I yell at God. And I feel the pain. And I don't pick up the food. Because I made a decision that my will has to be turned over to my higher power. Because if, if I eat, if I go back into the food, I, I can't be the mother that I need to be right now. And I can't be the wife that I need to be right now. I need to be abstinent. I need to be working my program. I need to be doing the steps. Um, and I need to be doing all of the tools every day, almost. Not perfect. Um, because I lost my train of thought again. Um, I'm trying to think how much I should give over of the situation. It's, 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 thank God nobody is physically, health, physically ill. There's no physical illness. There's a lot of mental illness going on right now um, in my family. Um, and uh, it's, it really is terrifying. And so I get to. That's, that's, that's what I get to do. I get to, right? I get to feel the pain. I get to cry. I get to not numb out. Sometimes I do numb out. Sometimes I really I can't deal with the pain, and I do numb out, but not with the food, with the TV. Um, but that's really, like, I, I went to one of, the, one of the weekends I went to, somebody gave me those words, I get to, right? I get to, and my children get to, right? I can't control anyone. I can't make their decisions for them. I can only make my decisions. I can only decide to turn my will over to the care of God, as I understand him. I can't turn my children's will over. I can't turn, I'm not in control. And the truth is, when I make that decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, as I understand him, it takes the pressure off. Life is so much easier when I don't have to control it. I just have to make that one decision every day. I didn't make that one decision in the beginning, and I knew when I made that decision that that was it. I'm getting abstinent, I'm doing program, and that's the end of it. But I have to make the decision every day to keep turning my will over because I keep wanting to take it back. I want to run my world. I want the government who's in my life right now, which is awful. Um, I want to make the I want to run it my way. But because there's a God and because I made a decision to turn my will over to him, it doesn't matter what I want. I get to just be. And I get to just keep showing up. And so many days um, in the beginning of the situation, that was my goal. I write, I write every night. Um, my writings, I write six gratitudes. 
I write three goals and I, uh, three growths, three things I did that were difficult, and one goal. And for so many days, my goal was just show up. That was all I could do. But showing up would not have been possible if I was in the food. Showing up would not have been possible if I didn't turn over my will. And, uh, and I did. And um, I'm, I'm very grateful. Uh, the situation is not ending. Um, it's going to be ongoing for a long time. And I'm going to get through it. And I'm going to keep showing up. And not only am I going to keep showing up, I'm going to show up as me. I had to, for a long time, I hid. I didn't want to deal with people. I kept doing my program. That's what kept me going. I ate my abstinent food. I didn't want to eat many, 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 many days. I just did not want to eat. My sponsor was like, you don't eat, you lose your abstinence. You, you don't want to not eat over You don't want to lose your abstinence over this. Eat. She would force me. But I have a sponsor, right? I, I lost the privilege. I don't get to make food choices for myself. I can make food choices for my sponsees. I can be um, unbiased when it comes to them. But when it comes to me, I can't. I have, to, I have to turn it over. And I would turn it over to her, and she would tell me what to do, and I would do it, which in and of itself Five minutes, thank you. Which in and of itself is a total miracle. Because I think a lot of us, what I've learned in these rooms is that um, not only are we allergic to substances, we're allergic to being told what to do. Um, I don't know about you, but I found out in these rooms that I'm a control freak. I had no idea. And I remember I went that day, I went to my husband, I'm like, did you know I was a control freak? He just started laughing. I was like, really? I had no idea. Not, I saw other people who were control freaks, but not me. So I had to learn that. And, and, and to be able to do whatever my sponsor tells me. And, and, and actually, my relapse is really what made my program so much stronger when I came back. Because I said to my children that if my sponsor tells me that I need to fill up our bathtub full of mud and sit in it every day for five days, I would make that happen. If that, she didn't tell me to do that. Thank God. I didn't have to fill up my bathtub full of mud. But I would have. I would have. And I'll tell you one more thing about the relapse, which is also all about decisions. Um, a decision to turn my will over. Um, in the very beginning, when I first got absent, when I was first struck abstinent, um, I had a sponsor who told me to do this, this, and that. And I said, no, no, and uh-uh. <laughs> there was no way you were getting me to do these things. Right? Fast forward eight years later, my new sponsor says to me, you have to do this, this, and that. And I said, okay, I will do that. If that's what it takes to get healthy, to get recovered, to be able to live and deal with all the things that God is going to throw at me, I'll do it. And I do it. And I still do it to this day. And the, what these things have added to my life is immeasurable. It really is. It's unbelievable. I I have a life today that I, I, I just, I couldn't even imagine. You know, I, I came to the gyms and I heard people say, abstinence is the most important thing in my life. And I was like, That's, you're crazy. My husband's the most important person in my life. My children, the most important thing in my life. But if I don't make abstinence the most important thing in my life, then I can't be there for my husband and I can't be there for my kids. And I like to kid myself when I was in the relapse. I'm, I'm such a much more fun mother when I'm eating. Oh, we'll eat together, we're making cookies, we're doing this. I'm such a, I'm more relaxed. Our brains, just, they, they just play on us. They just, the, my brain, I'll speak for myself. My brain likes to play tricks on me. 
and it likes to tell me that I'm something I'm not. And so, um, I didn't use this book at all. Um, I'll just keep going back to it, making the decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, and then he does everything else for me. One day at a time, he, he helps me weigh out my food. I now weigh out my food. I'm, I'm a lazy cook. I cook on Thursdays for Shabbos and the rest of the week, and Thursday night when I'm weighing out my food for Shabbos, because we can't cook on the Sabbath, so we have to do everything before, um, <clears throat> I weigh out my food for the whole week. I never thought I'd be able to do that, ever. But I'm lazy, and it works for me. So I put all my food. So, but that is a miracle. That is something God's doing for me that I couldn't, I couldn't sit. I can't focus long enough to sit there and weigh out a week's worth of proteins and grains and vegetables and salads. And, and I'm one of those people who, who overeats on vegetables. That was not me. <laughs> the fact that I eat vegetables to this day is a real miracle. Um, because I was not a vegetable. I, I used to say, like, I haven't eaten vegetables for decades. Like, what's going to happen if I start introducing that to my body? It's going to revolt. It didn't. I can eat vegetables just fine. <sighs> so um, I just feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over again. Make the decision. And when you make the decision, you know when you're really, really making the decision and when you're, eh, making a decision. Because sometimes you've got to keep making that decision every day. And sometimes you only have to make it once the big one, the one that I'm doing this, I'm going to do this, that's the one thing God can't do for me is to make the decision, and then all the other decisions that follow, and every day when I remake that decision, not the big one, but the little one, every day I'm going to turn my will over, he helps me to do that. So with that, I will pass, and thank you for letting me share.